Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by editor Amy Duddleston. She's best known for her work on My Own Private Idaho, Laurel Canyon, Hunters, and Mayor of Easttown. After watching Mayor of Easttown, there's a scene, and I think it's episode five, maybe four or five, that if you've seen the show, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a kid in a bathtub, and it almost made me give up on the show. At that moment, it was pushed as far as it could possibly go. I don't want to give anything away, and if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Um, but I almost gave up on the show at this moment, but it pushes it as far as you possibly could have, uh, building the tension of this moment, and then it's resolved. And it's, it's pretty much one of those moments that I think highlights what good editing is. And so I saw that and I wanted to reach out to Amy. And of course, I had her on the show and I completely forgot to bring up the exact moment that made me want to speak with her. We ended up talking about how she went to the University of Arizona, which um, is in Tucson where I'm based, and how she went from being in Tucson to editing mayor of Easttown. Like what was the story that led from one side of the uh, world to the other, essentially, because it felt like um, Tucson, it feels like Tucson is about as far removed from Hollywood as you possibly could be. Um, but it turns out she has a really interesting story. And I think, I think this is a fun conversation. Um, also, side note on this particular episode, there's something that I'm deeply embarrassed of that happens in this episode beyond not mentioning the reason that I had (laughs) tried to schedule an interview with Amy in the first place. Um, We're talking about queer cinema of the 90s, and I feel like I start almost mansplaining uh, what the pillars of that particular movement were, were. And as this straight guy, I probably shouldn't be the person that's saying what the most important (laughs) movies in queer cinema were of the 90s, but I've just been going back and revisiting a lot of these films lately, and Gus Van Sant's early work um, that actually ties into some of the stuff Amy worked on, has worked on, was a big part of that. There were several other films um, that were a big part of that also, um, but it was specifically those Gus Van Sant films that were this sort of... um, gateway to this whole other world of cinema you know it started with my own private idaho and then for me eventually you know watching stuff like the watermelon woman and high art and all these other great films from that time period go fish and i've been revisiting some of those and i think a lot of them hold up really well and what i really wanted to say was thank you and i hope that it came across that way and not like the dickish way that i feel like it might so my apologies Um, it was intended to be a compliment and i hope it didn't come out as anything but that. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show. I'm incredibly thankful for Amy taking the time out of her day to do this. And yeah, make sure you check out her work because she's has an impressive body of work. And there's so many things on here that I can't believe we didn't get to touch on. Um, you know, looking over things, she worked on Dexter, The Killing, and we never talk about that. She worked on In Treatment, and it was just, there was so much to talk about in such a short amount of time. I could have her on once a week for the next six months and not even scratch the surface of all the things I'd like to talk to her about. But enough of my blabbering. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hello. 
Hey, Amy, how are you today? I'm good, Christopher. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. Sure. I appreciate it. Sure. No problem. Can you hear um, me? Okay. I I have allergies today too. So I'm sorry if I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> totally fine. I can hear you just fine. Um, okay, good. So the first thing I have to ask you about, um, as a Tucsonan, how yes. did you end up going from uh, the University of Arizona to, to where you are today? Well, it's a long story, but it's a good one. <laughs> okay. Um, no, when I was a student at the U of A, I was doing research for a paper for like my English class. And mm-hmm. I was at the library and I was going through stuff. And I think my paper was like, you know, is film an art form or something. And I was like going through stuff. And uh, and I found this article about Dee Dee Allen in the New York Times Magazine. And it was like, you know, 1980 something, mm-hmm. like 84. And uh and I was just like, who, like, this sounds like the most interesting job to me. And I was like a poli-sci major. I was like, you know, I was a freshman. It was like freshman English. And um, I was like 17 years old. And uh, I was like, this just sounds like the most amazing job. And like, what, you know, who, how do you get to do this job? You know, what, like, how do you get that job? And um and I had always been like a fan of films and and filmmaking and, um, you know, uh, I was always interested in it, but I just like never knew that like you could do that for work, mm-hmm. you know, um, growing up in Arizona. And so I, I just remember like having it in the back of my mind. And then my sophomore year, I moved into the dorms and um, I, one of the people in my hall was a film major. I was like, wait, there's a film program at the UVA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had just started. Like there yeah. were just classes. Like there wasn't like much. It was, you know, 1987 or no, it was 1984 or something. What I can't even remember what year it was. Probably 1984. And uh, and so I was like, wow. Well, my parents probably wouldn't go for that, but hey, what you know, um. And I like looked into it and, and I changed my major. I was like, well, this is like, you know, this sounds like more of what I want to be doing, you know? Um, So then I was in one of my film classes. It was like super eight production and um, with Michael, Michael Gillette, who I think is still there um, (laughs) teaching people. And uh, He was like, well, this film production is coming to town and uh, they're filming on our campus and they are giving, you know, internships to people who are interested. So I know all of you are interested, but you need to like write something and kind of like win the prize. So I wrote a thing about, you know, they're like, these are the departments that need people. And one of them was the editing department. I was like, oh, my God. You know, so I wrote this thing about how it'd be a great foot in the door and and I could learn, you know, because I'm really interested in this and yada, yada, yada. And I got it. And it was Revenge of the Nerds. So. (laughs) I forget that was filmed here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, that was how I got my start. And I started, I, I had an internship for like three weeks. I had to like drop some of my classes, you know, which 
really pissed off my parents. But on the other hand, I was like doing this thing that I wanted to be doing. So, and I got paid too, you know, um, which is another crazy thing. It was like a bunch of money um, for someone my age, you know, who was like almost 18 or almost 19. I was probably 18 at that point. Um, And, uh, and it was great. I got to see how like an assistant editor works and what the editor does. I was like schlepping film to go to dailies. It was just like, I learned how an editing room on a feature film works. And so from that, I was like, I am, this is my job, you know, this is what I want to be doing. And um, after I graduated, I moved to New York and I worked for a documentary filmmaker. Um, You know, I had like some PA jobs to kind of like save up some money to move like right after I graduated, you know, that was when films would just come to Tucson. Um, I worked on Can't Buy Me Love. And Um, I saved up a bunch of money and I moved to New York and I worked for a documentary filmmaker and um, there just wasn't a lot of like editing stuff happening. Like the indie film world was starting, but it was like Jim Jarmusch and Spike Lee and like all these, you know, and then the, yeah. and then like the people who were all in the union, that was a whole different thing. Like they were working with, you know, Woody Allen and whomever. Um, so that I was kind of like, I'm not really doing what I wanted to be doing. I had a bunch of like really odd jobs. Um, I worked for, a, can't even remember after the documentary filmmaker, I worked at Miramax for a brief amount of time, you know, just like kind of temping. Um, and then I went Anybody to visit friends. Was, yeah. Has worked, had <laughs> at least one paycheck with. Exactly. Time, so. Um, so I went to visit friends in Los Angeles and they were like, you know, you should just move here. I met a film editor. Um, an assistant editor, um, Christopher Rouse, who's you know now an Academy Award-winning yep. editor, um, and we became friends. And he was like, "You should just move here because it's like there's just work, and it's like the 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 union is still closed, but there's a lot of like indie film work starting here, and uh, you could probably get a job." And I was like, "Okay." And then of course, like you know, right when I was leaving New York, a writer strike happened. <laughs> I stayed in Tucson. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like put this on pause Mm -hmm. and like not, you know, move to Los Angeles and spend all my money. And, um, uh, and I I got a job like doing like a road construction, like literally it was like a great, like outdoors job for the summer. And I saved up a bunch of money and, and, and I moved, you know, after the writer's strike ended um, and it was a long one. Um, and then I just got it, you know, I showed up and started making phone calls and that was kind of how it all happened. So it's impossible for me not to look behind your shoulder. Is, oh, that, yeah. is that to die for? Is it's that to, to die, die for. Yeah. I worked on to die for. Okay. And so <laughs> my that French was a, poster of to die for. That's what I thought. And that, <laughs> yeah. that was a, that relationship was one that you formed, yes. formed really early on. And I mean, yeah. Talk about uh, just as far as you were talking about Jim Jarmusch and those guys that were right. Spike Lee. I mean, um, to me, he was one of those filmmakers that really kind of cracked my mind open and made me see oh, you could do a lot more with popular film than had been done before. Yeah, for sure. No, and that was, you know, after I'd been an assistant for a little while, um, I got a call from um, somebody who said, oh, this editor, uh, Curtis Clayton, is looking for an assistant to come and like, 
help out in his editing room and um, on this film that he was working on. And I was like, Curtis Clayton, he edited Drugstore Cowboy. I loved that movie, you know? And, um, and I was like, I, I will definitely go help Curtis help, you know? And I helped out. It was a film called A Rage in Harlem. And their editing yeah. room was a mess because they went, you know, they were on location and then they came back and their apprentice, you know, just it kind of messed up a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then they had like an intern and they needed somebody, you know, the first assistant was just like overloaded with like stuff and Curtis was overloaded with stuff. And so they just needed somebody to kind of you know, come in and like calm everybody down because they were about to start previews. And I was like, I can do that. You know, and I just like jumped in and um, helped them out. And Curtis was great. And he was like, oh, my God, you saved us. And um, and, and he was about to start working on My Own Private Idaho. And Craig uh, Hayes, who was the first assistant on A Rage in Harlem, he had to stay behind and finish A Rage in Harlem. So Curtis asked me if I would be interested in going to Portland to work on My Own Private Idaho. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Yes. And I will work for practically nothing, but yeah. yeah. So, um, and I kind of did. <laughs> it was the only show that I ever got my deferment from, um, <laughs> you know, those things that you used yeah. to sign. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to, when we sell this movie, it's like the only one I ever got. But um, that one broke through in a way that you wouldn't yeah. have thought at the time when that was, and you were just starting that up, what it ended up becoming is oh, yeah. a, a film that like, I, I think it's probably at that point in nineties, independent cinema is often referred to, but the move, the movement of queer cinema at that time, yes. that's one of the pillars of it. That and kind it of is. fish are the ones that I, uh, that I, that come to mind right away when I think it is that. one of them. Definitely. For sure. I mean, and then it was like, you know, it's right up there with like poison and, mm. and, um, and, you know, when we were working on it, we knew it was special. We just didn't know like how, like we knew it was special, it, but you just never know like how people are going to react to it because it is, you know, it's a weird film. And, um, but at the heart of it, it's just, it's a really emotional story and it's a journey and, and um, yeah, you know, it's just, it, it it's a weird, it, it holds up in weird ways, you know, it's, it's when you get to the Shakespeare part, it's strange yeah. and, you know, yeah. I it's mean, just I, like Gus's me, brain, you know, that's really, it's just Gus's brain. <laughs> to me, if you, you know, you put that next to Revenge of the Nerds, um, right. that, that's a movie that, that if you're looking back, that is kind of, right. that, that one doesn't really hold up so well. No, it doesn't. It's like racist and, you know, homophobic oh, yeah. and horrible, yeah, like pretty rapey. Rape. pretty rapey. It's like <laughs> <laughs> super rapey. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's like 16 candles. You're like, it's all like, of these yeah. things. And, you know, all, it's all like, these things that the, that I loved when I was a child. And no, and when you were a kid, back. it was like, oh my God, it was a movie about nerds, you know, yeah. and, oh my, like 16 Candles. It's like, oh my God, it was a movie about a teenage girl that I could completely relate to. You know, it was, it, you know, but yeah. it was with my own kid. It's like, you can watch this on your own. I'm not, you know, it was a life-changing thing for me just to see that, you know, there's people want to make stories about teenage girls that are relevant and, you know, interesting, funny, mm -hmm. but, uh, 
the rest of it. <laughs> Let's watch Pretty in Pink. <laughs> well, if I'm going back to all those, probably I guess the one that I, I always liked some kind of wonderful out of all of that. Those that's good the one. one that doesn't it's seem a good one. Yeah, too embarrassing at this point no. in time. It, Except okay. you know, Eric Stoltz with eyeliner. I'm always just like. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so I ended up working with Eric Stoltz on a movie that he directed, and it was just always like <laughs> Eric Stoltz with eyeliner. <laughs> He's like, "That was a great movie." Yeah, and I said, like, "It was actually." And then, okay, so from that Gus Van Sant relationship, you move into what is, pardon this, but probably the ballsiest editorial job you could possibly take in doing psycho yes people that don't know anything about editing they know the shower scene they know yes they know the iconic yeah cinema stepping into those shoes and it's something that that particular film i think is often shortchanged for what it does and i think it's an, an incredibly underrated movie the performances there it's you're working within a very strict framework and doing something completely different. And I think there's something as an, just even as an experiment, something really cool about yeah. that. And they, they land very differently than the yeah. original. If you just talk about the, the nerve that must've taken. Well, it was something, one. you know, Gus had always talked about doing like a, a remake of a movie, but he's just like, but if you were going to remake it, just remake it. Like literally like frame by frame, you know, cause he's, a, he's a painter. He's just yeah. like, he's a poet. So it's just like, take something literally. And then it, you know, it's then it becomes conceptual art. Mm. So, um, so that was just kind of the way we went into it. It was this like $20 million conceptual art piece. That's what I always call it. And, um, that's what we did. I mean, you know, we weren't sure all of it was going to work. I mean, on the set, you know, they could follow like the old storyboards and they could do things. They could, I mean, they could go beyond that because it's like technology, you know, even shooting on film, it was like the cameras are lighter that you can, you know, there are camera rigs that, yeah. like, you know, you can do yeah, the all eye kinds shot, of stuff. The eye that. shot was like a total robot, you mm-hmm. know, that they programmed. Um, even in 1998, you know, it was still like, you know, um, the technology was incredible. So, um, so we, yeah, so we all kind of went into it like that, but in the editing room, it was different because it's like, I had the old movie in my Avid and I would like look at the scene and go, okay, well, here's what I have. And I have all of those shots, but it's like the actors do something different. And <laughs> You know, the this is the thing. It's like, you know, they're just going to do something different and you're yeah. kind of following the performances and that's what you need to follow. I mean, it, you didn't want it to be just kind of like this trashy conceptual art piece. You wanted it to have some substance. I'm sorry, my camera's like, oh, you're fine. my feet are on the thing. Um, so, uh that's the thing. I mean, it was, it was um, getting in the editing room. Like the shower scene was different. Like we, it was shot for shot, like the same. I was like, mm-hmm. is it cause it's in color? Like, we couldn't out, like why it wasn't landing? Like, what is it? Is it because it's, we couldn't figure out like what wasn't working. And, and it's like, well, you can't, 
maybe you can't remake this thing that, you know, is iconic. And, uh, and I was like, look, it's like, let's just start like putting your own touches into it, you know, like the clouds, like she's like having a, like a, the flash of like whatever, you know, and, and they had started making a, a teaser trailer for the movie. And they had like all of these weird images from like a nine inch nails, like, you know, they had all of this weird stuff. It was the nineties, you know, it, there, there was and, a very specific yeah, editing yeah, style at that time. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and Gus was like, let's use some of those shots from the trailer. <laughs> you know? Because they were like random. It's like they weren't in our movie. It's like, yeah. so let's put them in our movie. And, um, and so we did. I had no idea that that's how that was born. That's hilarious. Here, I was thinking that these were emotionally driven beats that you were talking about the characters in this level where you have the storm literally no, coming this is in. Gus's no. brain it's just like this like the cloud like all of that he was just like well you know it just works it works <laughs> amazing that's the most no and that's like he's a, like that. no he, he's not pretentious he is not pretentious and that's like one of the best things about him it's it's like he's just like you know, ooh, look at that. So well, yeah, with movies they they're really well regarded. Yeah, and I think that the the pretentious crowd appreciates that. But his <laughs> movies are really fun <laughs> and they're funny. great. They're, and, they're, yeah, and if you're not and and you were using the word trashy before, I mean, to die for that's a trashy movie, and yeah, but it's, it's by design, and I love that by design. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's and no. it's obviously that and there's somebody that can vacillate between that and elephant that somebody yeah. has those two films in them. That's just no for sure. And it's like, you know, and I mean, to die for came to him as, you know, it's it's like you can tell, it's like Suzanne is the character, but like those kids that she's manipulating, that's where he went, you know, and it's like those they are the center. It's like how they got swept into this whole thing with Suzanne and, um, and how she just like manipulated Jimmy and, and, you know, and how they all like went down with her. Yeah. <laughs> that was the emotional core of the, the movie. And, and, well, um, and he's just very good at like finding point, like, yeah, it does. But because- it's like, Matt Dillon, of, you're not going to yeah. empathize there. So, no, yeah. But it's like, um, that's just, you know, that's Gus will just always find like the emotional core. And I'm always, you know, that's just taught me how to like look for, I mean, in, my, in all of my work, I'm just, I'm, I try to like go to that place, you know, um, like the emotional center. It's like, you're always just trying to find like what is driving these people to do this thing, you know? And that's what your job is, though. You're it finding is. that. And that's one of the... It is. But a lot of people just think it's like, like a lot of people like editing is, is it's so much deeper than just like putting pieces of stuff together, <laughs> you well, know? It, it can be simple seconds, frames yeah. even sometimes of why something isn't clicking or landing. If you hold on something just yeah. a beat longer, it can yeah. have a much different connotation, you know? Yeah. The, the one thing when anybody ever asked me what editing is, or you're kind of talking about it, if you've seen The Graduate, and if you were to have ended the movie 
without that last beat, you think right. it's a happy ending, but then you give it that extra moment where they're just where they're quietly smart. sitting yeah. there and you realize like, oh, they've completely blown their lives right now. This is a, actually a very down ending. Yeah. Um, and so to me, that's, that's what editing is. It's that finding that story within it. And it is, that's why I love editors and I love your job because it's, you guys have one of the coolest jobs that's I'm telling you, you I read about it and I was like, this is like the coolest job. This is like making the movie, you know, you're doing, this is the important part. And I was like, you know, and when I started doing it, I was like, yeah, this is the most important part. And I was like, and how did I never know about this? Like, I didn't know from like editing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's something that we, we can kind of get our screenwriter you can get your head right. around that you understand sort of conceptually what a director is i, I think most yeah. people probably don't fully understand that but then the editor you're assuming it's just okay put this together and then we'll yeah. figure it out take the different options and show that if they have even that level of understanding but the really granular shaping of a story is something that you in the same way that you can feel the signature of an actor or yes. of a director you can feel the signature of an editor but it's in a way that is not as flashy. It doesn't call attention. No, to it's true. In the same way. No, and I'm not like I'm. I'm the person who will leave the take running if it's a good take. You know, yeah. this is like I feel like they're doing their job. It's like our job is to watch them do their job and feel like what you know. So don't cut away unless there's a reason. Um, and I noticed you have a poster of Jaws back there, which is like you of know, one of the classic yeah. <laughs> manipulation, you know, scary. But not unlike your psycho with the yeah. sort of the psychological editing that turned out to be just, it just was there. It was something <laughs> they put in. Um, it's because the shark didn't work. They ended up making something that was much cooler oh, much than they cooler. ever would have had in the, the other way. Much around, more right? psychological, much more just like, you know. The thing you you're not seeing that often is tearing this community apart. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's um, for there's restraint in it and it wasn't restraint by design. It was restraint by their hand was forced in that way. And I think there was a valuable lesson that a lot of people hopefully have taken away from that, where you can show um, you can have much deeper impact by showing less, but um I know we're kind of running short on time and I do want to touch on mayor of Easttown because oh, as, sure. as having something to work with, as far as yes. performance, my God, like from top to bottom, there's yeah. not a weak link in this thing. <laughs> no, there's there a whole lot of links that could have gone <laughs> south in this thing, but that's one of some of the most impressive it, it, acting I've seen this yeah. year. It's just such a, I, yeah, I, I, I can't see how something it's only it's kind of like when um gone girl came out that that's a a type right. of film that usually doesn't work for me and then you see that and you go oh okay you oh, can actually okay. there's still something yeah. to do with this and the, the limited you know kind no, of there's still much more interesting yeah, yeah yeah no and that was it was like um because the story is not like anything you know you haven't seen before and so we it, and that's the way it was kind of like yeah, the the teenage girl, the blah blah blah, who done it, blah. Mm-hmm. But it was much more about like the community that these people live in, and that's really what we wanted the show to be about. It was it was like this family 
and a community. And then there was a murder mystery kind of thrown into it. Mm -hmm. So that was what we really wanted to focus on. And, um, and yeah, the actors, it was like an embarrassment of riches. There was like no clunky performance, you know, and if there was, it was just because whatever. And I mean, it, what, that was great. I mean, that made my job so easy. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was like nothing. It's like the kids were great. And, like everybody was great. Um, that, you know, um, but just trying to find like the emotional center in that show was the most important part and why Mare does these things and what, you know, how she gets to the end. And it's like, her job is very important to her and her family suffered because of that. And it's like, and she's realizing, you know, she falls into patterns and, and, um, every everyone around her just kind of watches and lets it happen. And, you know, <laughs> So, um, to the detriment of everyone and, and it was just so interesting to me. It, the whole story was just so interesting. And, um, and yeah, when you had to do the detective parts, those were just fun. I mean, it's like, I love doing things like that. It's like procedural, mm -hmm. you know, there's things, you know, let's make it, let everybody think that, you know, it's Guy Pierce. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a minute. Absolutely. For, for a hot minute. minute. Yeah. Um, let everybody think it's Dylan. Let everybody think it's, you know, it's like. But, but that part of it is the parlor game aspect yeah. of it. And it's the part that is absolutely secondary yeah. where while each episode is built on something where you do have a little bit of a twist and a cliffhanger at the end and you're going. Yeah, the cliffhanger that, is like the thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's honestly, it's something that where you when you get to the payoff in the end it's yeah. clearly such an emotionally driven thing that it's not satisfying in the way it's actually the yeah. done it element of it. Isn't like, Oh my God, is it, you know, the sixth sense kind of, no, it's well, not. It's, it's, it's like, a, yeah, this all lines out. This makes but sense. It's, yeah. And it's devastating and yeah. it's all emotionally driven and you have a deeper sense of empathy for all of these characters at the end because of this action than a, mustache twirling villain that had been behind no the of course the exactly time. you know exactly it's just like oh my god yeah it's devastating it's yeah. devastating and um and you do feel it and you're just like oh but kate winslet i mean that was just like a gift i've never you know I, it was i don't know that there's anybody as good as her right now <laughs> honestly it's she is elizabeth olsen is yeah. pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I'm working on a show with Lizzie Olsen right now. She's good. She's good. She's creeping up. There are some things in this show that I'm where I was like, Jesus, that's like Kate Winslet level. Like, wow. yeah. Where she could just like pull it out of like the ether, you know, she's really good. And she's, she's going to be, they're, they're both those, that, that level of actor. Yeah. When you see them, yeah. it's almost, you're, you're reminded again. It's like, Oh my, Oh, there's an yet another level that yeah. I haven't seen yet. It, it goes deeper and it goes further. And as they, as they get older, um, you know, and Kate Winslet by yeah. no means an older actress at this point, yeah. but still there's so much more, I, you, she's finding more depth and range than no, she I just like, she's so like comfortable in like her body and like every, just whatever, like, mm -hmm. you know, and Lizzie's kind of the same way. 
she's even though she's she's like only 32 i'm like how are you only that old <laughs> but you can play like anything yeah so um yeah i i it's she's great they're both Absolutely. great but i love kate winslet i mean i just and just you know gene smart and just like everybody um, julianne yeah. nicholson like I'd never worked at, like Julianne was just like one of those people that like, I'm like, who's that again? I was like, Oh my God, that's, she played, what's her name? And like, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, she's in our show. You rarely <laughs> see a procedural like this where yeah. you have really three women at the center of it. There, there's male characters that are coming in and out, Oh yeah, but all of the action is really moving forward and centered around these women and yeah. how this is all, how they're impacting one another. No, and, and that was Brad Inglesby's life, you know, growing up. It was like he noticed that like these women kind of just like kind of control like all of this stuff and mm-hmm. these, you know, in his circle of um whatever. And uh he wanted to write about that and kind of make it the theme. And um they were great characters. Oh yeah, and well, like the I mean, town, and just like all of it, that you know, that's the town he grew up in, and uh, and the area, and like when you're there, it's like, yeah, just making it like that whole thing. That was his his just making sure that you feel all of it. <laughs> well, and you you invest in each piece of it. It yeah. could have just completely spun out into a show about Gene Smart and Kate Winslet and that dynamic. No, I've yeah. been totally satisfied with it. Everything yeah. could have solved the murder in episode two and just had another six hours. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and dealing with their shit. And I would have been totally fine with it. I know. I'm like, I'll just sit and watch Mayor have therapy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we were talking about, you know, because they, everybody is just like, we want season two. And I'm like, like what? Like, let's just, yeah, let's have like Mayor and her mom go to therapy like <laughs> together. Now, if you if you're taking like that completely different approach to it, and each season, like next, it's a half hour, uh, three camera, yeah, uh, right. situational comedy with them, those characters, and you did something completely different with it, that would be interesting. But doing this again, but yeah, no, 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 it it, it seriously would have to be like something really interesting. I mean, but then then again, sometimes as soon as I feel like something is done where there's a genre where there's a particular story that I'm like, I don't need to see that one again. I don't need to see it again. And then somebody will do something that makes you say, Oh no, they, they, there was still a piece of that story that was left to be told. And, you know, there was that um, Mm. we kind of touched on it before the, like in the nineties, the sort of the coming out movies and it was like, okay, I don't need to see that movie again. I've seen that so many times. No, I know. And, but then, People find these little things in it and you go, God damn it. There's still another story to be told. There's still one more story. No, I know. My wife says that all the time. She's like, do we really need another coming out story? And I was like, well, maybe we do. (laughs) Maybe we don't. What about your coming out story? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. So's mine. (laughs) Would it make for a compelling 90 minute movie? Sure. I guess it's how you cast yourself in that movie. Whoever you exactly. get to play, there's certain actors we've talked about here. If you get Liz Olsen to do it, yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen. 
you'd be fine. And, and that's always, that would be, exactly. um, yeah, that version of it. But it just, this was that also, it's those things where you see these things that are, I love having yeah. an experience with a TV show, a film where I don't think it'll work on a yeah. surface level. It's just, no, there's nothing left to do there. And I love yeah. being proven wrong. So no, I know. You've done it a bunch of times, you know, well, in good. your career with stuff that I didn't <laughs> think that it should work and it does. So, <laughs> No, I know. Well, I remember uh, I was just thinking about it. I worked on that show Scream, you know, which was based on mm-hmm. the movie. And it was so much fun to work on that because it was just like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the movie. It no, was just it, the, the guy and it was really fun. And I'm like, yeah, like. <laughs> there, there was, a, I came around to that. A couple years afterward. Yeah. And it was something that I, it was on MTV. It felt like yeah. it wasn't made for me. But then you start to see some of the names that were attached to it and what they yeah. did afterwards. And it was like, oh, okay, I'll go back. Oh, She's this was great. Like the I actors no were idea. great. Yeah. You know, everybody was like, I I had a fun time working on that because it was just like scares and, and you know, the community, mm-hmm. the kids. I mean, it was just, it was fun. But yeah, it's like, something to like come back to it was funny it was it was like this is not a bad idea you no. Know? <laughs> no 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 not not at all well, and i only took the job it was like filling in you know it was like they needed to meet us deadline and i was like i'll do an episode of scream you know because i had some friends working on it and it was really fun nice. i was like so- i would go back for the next season <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at this point, I, I mean, there's another movie coming out. I didn't think that would no, have I know, so which I'm very interested in. Yeah, so am I, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, Melissa then, Barrera and like all these people. Yeah. And the very. early word on it is really, really strong. People seem that, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Horror is like one of those things. It's just like if you get the right people and the great story and the best scares, it's like, hey. Well, I think that to me, it's not unlike what we were saying with Mare of Easttown. When you make it emotionally driven yeah. and you make it about characters and then the scares are secondary where yeah. it could just the be scares have to be secondary. If you're, if you're invested in the characters and you care about the characters and the, the supernatural element, the horrific elements are just something that are happening in the periphery yeah. that are happening to these people, then you actually care about it. You know, I think that's why something like hereditary is so hereditary haunting of yeah. Hill house, like the whole oh, you know, the show. Of... Yeah. That was that, great. That, and he's that. a great filmmaker. So it's like, but he's, you know, it's just what you said. It's like it, the emotional story is, and is the gets, first thing. And then it's like, you know, the other he stuff barely is, yeah. gets maligned for saying that his stuff isn't scary because it's so emotionally driven. And I, I don't know. I'm just, uh, as a, six feet under former yes. recovering junkie and to get to episode six where he was aping yeah. that and coming around on that. And it was just, but with what should be a scary sequence, but it's all emotionally driven and it's these yeah. huge special effects things, but I'm bawling while I'm watching. No, it, was just, it's oh, so, it's it was like such a, I love that. And I interviewed for that and I really wanted to do it, but I didn't get the job. Oh. I was like, oh, <laughs> But it was okay. All these things happen for a reason. So it's like, it's it's worked out. It's all worked out. Yeah. But But yeah. So then what is the next thing that I can look for? Um, You know, I'm working on an HBO max show called love and death. It's uh, it's based on a true crime story that happened in Texas in the eighties and, or the early eighties. And um. Elizabeth Wilson and Jesse Plemons and um, oh, Patrick God, Fugit. I love that guy. I and love uh, 
yeah, they're great. And and Patrick Fugit, who's really he's great. Wonderful. So good. Um, Lily Rabe and um just a really fun cast. And uh and it's you know, it's creepy. Okay. But it's but it's also fun. It's like when, when will that one be coming it. out? It'll come out probably next fall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I'm trying well, to think like maybe in September. <laughs> I trust your taste at this point. Well, when I thank look you. Over, when I look over your IMDb and I see all these things on there that can, so, yeah, there's not a clear through my line. Room. There's Elizabeth. Oh, Wilson. look at that. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that something that is an extension of COVID working from? I'm in my office. I'm oh, actually okay. at an, in, a, in an editing room with other people. Um, yeah, I'm not at home anymore. So it's really nice. You know, my wife works at home and I'm like, it's like, I I have an avid at home and they, you know, and I can access the material. If something happened here, we, you know, we could all go work at home, but, um, I'm so happy to be back in an office. It's just creatively, it's just so much better. I mean, driving, whatever, you know, half an hour is whatever that's Los Angeles, but, um, it's just really good to be back in an office and we have like, you know, we get tested every Monday. We all wear masks in the common area, we eat outside. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, just good. It's good to separate <laughs> your life in that way to, to step away from your home to go to work and to step away from your oh work my to God. go back home. No. And doing Mayor of Easttown. I mean, I, you know, I did it with like two monitors and a set of headphones and I'm like, <laughs> how did I do this? You know? I mean, we started in an editing room and I mm-hmm. last like last summer, I did a bunch of, you know, I would go in because my internet wasn't that great. And I was trying to like do work with the director and the producers. And, um, but then, you know, we had to shut down the room and, and then I was working at home and it was, I still can't figure out how we did it, but we did. And that's going to be the one so, of the, one of those ones that sticks around. I yeah. mean, that's going to be, that's one of those shows that, you will you will have a much different relationship with that material as you yeah. always do. Um, but when that'll be an outlier in your body yeah. of work and something will. that you did in that time period, and it'll be something that I think people will remember for no, many, many I, years I I do. I and I'm so grateful for it and my Emmy nominations that were just like, you know, well deserved. Yeah. I mean, it, it was I just can't still can't believe that happened. Um <laughs> It's great. You know, well, I, that was the fun part. But uh but it's I mean you're just it's always good to see people that um coming from Tucson that move Tucson. and do this thing <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's a real job, that it's a possibility <laughs> and you're able to transcend that it is working it at is. the highest level. So well, thank I, you. I think yeah. that's it's and it's nice to see good people doing that too. Well, thank so. you, Christopher. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks thank for you. you know following me on Twitter and hitting me up. Well, <laughs> well, it was it was uh, I, I you were interacting with Jim Hemphill, my my old buddy Jim. So it was just oh, if she knows Jim, she's probably good people. So yeah, I, fi- I figured it would be safe to reach out. <laughs> yep, always, anytime. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I you know I love Tucson. I mean, my mm-hmm. siblings still all live there, and you know. It's like I haven't Did been back. Well, I was back in June. That was hot. What a terrible um, time to come back. 
we were doing my dad's memorial service and so it was it was just like the time to do it it was like father's day we were doing it um but yeah i was like never again will i come back in the summer (laughs) like right now is when you should be coming back exactly when it's like 78 degrees i love when it's like just perfect it's like it's amazing go take so, a hike come out yeah. get it get out and go get lost in the desert for a couple exactly. hours it's always a good time yeah it'll be nice well, well anyway well thank you thank you amy it was really a pleasure to meet you I appreciate sure this. yeah <laughs> no problem and just let me know you know i, I will yeah I, I will be coming out this friday i believe okay, cool. i should be putting this up and i'll i'll definitely right. let you know okay cool well thanks christopher i'll thank talk you. to you soon take bye. care bye-bye Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
always crack.